what I wanted to talk about and, and follow up is, you know, we heard uh, Stephen talk a lot about uh, the remnant, uh, and you, you get the idea uh, in other places about, you know, spiritual Israel versus uh, the little nation, and Stephen even mentioned some about that, you know, so there's a difference there between God's, you know, he, He's chosen Israel as his people, but even within Israel, there's uh, there's his people that are his, the remnant or the spiritual, or however you want to think about them. And I was thinking about this lesson. Uh, it made me think of this chart that Stephen had during his kingdom lessons. Yeah, that's the right one. Uh, I couldn't remember exactly how it looked, but I called Stephen and asked him to, to bring this for me. But I guess I, I, the question I should ask is, in your mind, you, you're, you can think about how the Jews felt about, um, about their heritage and about them being uh, real Jews. We talked some about that in Mr. Gary's lesson this morning about you know looking down on the Samaritans. They were half Jews and looking down on the Hellenists because they were... Over there, and they're, you know the the full red-blooded Jews. You know how deeply they held to some of those things. We're going to read about some of that. Um, do you think, kind of, form your mind out of that and think about uh, the Lord's church? And is is that a problem, or can it be a problem for us? The same problem they had. Yes, I I, I think it. I think it can be a problem as well. Uh, and we'll talk more about that. But, you know, when, when I think about these two boxes right here, so Christ's kingdom and then the eternal kingdom, if I'm understanding the chart right, Christ's kingdom would be His church, and the eternal kingdom would be the remnant, if I can use that word, of His of Christ's kingdom. Does that make sense? The faithful inside of the church is what I'm thinking of is this, the eternal kingdom. And then just His church here on earth is being this Christ kingdom. So, you know, I think that uh, if you think about it in those terms, and I'd like for us to think about it in that way for the rest of the time we're here together, is how does that relate to us today? And, and can we take some of these things? Because I, I think it's um, not wise of us to just look at how the Jews felt about themselves, and just say, "Well, that was a Jewish thing. I don't. We're not going to have that problem. That's not a problem for us. Uh, we'll just skip over uh, all that and not even really dwell much on that." If you will turn over to Romans, and of course, you, as you know, Romans, Galatians, Hebrews, all these epistles are um, dealing a lot with the Jewish mindset, the going back to Judaism, uh, some of the things they struggled with. But Romans, in particular, has a lot, uh, I think, to, to deal with this subject. In Romans chapter 11, we'll start there. Romans chapter 11, verses, uh, starting in verse 1. I say then, has God cast away His people? Certainly not. For I also am an Israelite of the seed of Abraham, of the tribe of Benjamin. God has not cast away His people, whom He foreknew. Or do you not know what the Scripture says of Elijah, how he pleased with God against Israel, saying, Lord, they have killed your prophets and torn down your altars. I alone am left, and they seek my life. But 
What does the divine response say to him? I have reserved for me 7,000 men who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Even, even so then, at this present time, there is a remnant according to election of grace. So, and in, in Stephen read verse 5 in, in his lesson. But, you know, here again, you know, we've got Elijah feeling like he's alone. He's the only one left serving the Lord. And God's telling him, you know, no, the, the literal nation of Israel is overall wicked. But there's a remnant within that, that that still belongs to me. And what has always separated the nation of Israel versus spiritual Israel? What is the what's I'm looking for one word? Faith. Faith. And it's always been that. And that, that's what to me is littered throughout Romans. It's going back to to the faith of Abraham. How was he justified? And we'll we'll read some of those things. But it's always been faith. It's never been circumcision. It's never been your tribe. It's never been your father or any other physical thing that was there. It's always been faith. And of course, Abraham was before Israel, and but that's you know. The message yes, yes, it is. Yeah, that is definitely the message of Hebrews. Um, <clears throat> let's look at Romans chapter two, and we're going to just kind of just to further drive the point home but look at some other aspects of it and hopefully towards the end we'll try to pull all these ideas together and try to figure out how to uh, you know help ourselves not have the mindset that the, those these Jews had Romans chapter 2 and verse 20 starting in verse 25 for circumcision is the profitable if you keep the law but if you are a breaker of the law your circumcision has become uncircumcision therefore if an uncircumcised man keep the righteous requirement of the law Will not his uncircumcision be counted as circumcision? And will not the physically uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law, judge you, who even with your written code and circumcision are a transgressor of the law? For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor circumcision that which is outward in, in the flesh. But he is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is out of the heart, and the spirit, not in the letter, whose praise is not from men, but from God. What advantage then has the Jew, or what is the profit of circumcision? much in every way, chiefly because of them were committed the oracles of God. For what if some did not believe? Will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? Certainly not. Indeed, let God be true, and but every, but every man a liar. Um, you know, so here Paul's uh, dealing with circumcision. You know, they held to that so dearly. You know, uh, circumcised the eighth day, man, you're, you're in. You know, you're now a Jew and in their mind, at least in some of them's mind, that was you know part of their ticket punch. You know they had that, and that was that was there. And what's Paul saying here? No, no. it it all relates back to faith, um, and keeping and keeping uh, the law there. Chap- chapter three, starting at verse twenty-seven, and I know we're skipping around a little bit, but you know I'm hoping. Uh, that you can kind of fill in the gaps, and I'm just trying to pick the the highlights of what we're trying to look at. Chapter 3, verse 27, Where is boasting then? Is it excluded by what law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. Therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Or is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. So what's the conclusion? Again, it's faith in verse in verse 30. Do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. What then shall we say? That Abraham our father was found according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? 
Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Now to him who works, the wages are not counted as grace, but as debt. And so here again, we're dealing with faith. Faith is what separates you, and it separates it separated the Jews here, and it separated the uh, Abraham. It's always been the answer. Chapter 4, pick back up in verse 9. Does this blessedness then come upon the circumcised only or upon the uncircumcised also? For we say that faith was accounted to Abraham for righteousness. How, th- how then was it accounted? While he was circumcised or uncircumcised? Not while circumcised, but while uncircumcised. And he received the sign of circumcision, a seal of the righteousness of the faith, which he had while still uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all those who believe, though they are uncircumcised, that righteousness might be imputed to them also. And the father of circumcision to those who who not only are of the circumcision, but who also walk in the steps of the faith, which our father Abraham had while still uncircumcised. So here again, he's dealing with um, going back to the Jewish pride, essentially, and he's telling them it's not about these physical things, it's about faith, and it's about uh, being righteous before God. That's how you're separated. And... I guess it's it's comical in some way, and in some ways you you know you want to make sure you don't emulate, or at least I want to make sure I don't do the same things the Jews of Jesus' day did or said. You would look over in Luke chapter three, Luke chapter three, starting in verse seven. Then he said to the multitudes that came out to be baptized by him. Brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore, bear fruits worthy of repentance. And do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children to Abraham from these stones. So why, why, would, um, why would John say that? In verse 8. He's just making it clear to them that... <laughs> They're not inheriting uh, a reward because of their physical heritage. Yeah. All right, flip over to John. John chapter 8. This one is particularly comical. Uh, John chapter 8, starting at verse 31. <clears throat> and one thing I hadn't noticed in this passage before is starting verse 31 there then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him so this is Jews he's, he's speaking to Jews that believed him right and so this is a very uh, kind of at least in my mind makes it that much more interesting but start there in verse 31 then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him if you abide in my word you are my disciples indeed and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free they answered him we are Abraham's descendants and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? All right? And that's what I mean. It's almost comical. I mean, it really is, especially when you write out of Mr. Gary's lesson at nine, talking about all the bondage they were under. Uh, you know, and to me, that's, that's almost, you kind of see how deep this was within them, how deep of that pride of I'm Abraham's descendants, I'm of this tribe, I'm of, you know, all that lineage that they had, they kept up with, they had uh, loved so much, 
I think you really see that here because it, that's not a logical statement. They know that's not true. They know that that cannot be true and is not true. But they, they make that statement. All right. Verse 34, Jesus answered them, Most surely I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be, made, you shall be free indeed. I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to, him, said to them, If you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. All right, so here again, they go back to Abraham as being their father. You know, um, like I say, it's almost comical, but... Uh, you know, we've already established that that we believe in this room that we can have some of those tendencies as well today. You know, and we don't we don't want to have those. I don't want to have those, and I want to guard against that the best I can because we all want to be to be found in that box. I mean, we got to be in that box to get to that box, but you definitely want to be in that box, and to get in that box, you got to be of the faithful, and. I think what can hinder us is this this pride here. And what I want to do is go to Philippians now, Philippians chapter 3, and look at this and then have a little bit of discussion on some of the things that, that we think uh, if you want to talk about this idea of self-deception, you were just le- leaning on that mm-hmm. a moment ago. But if you before you leave John 8... You know, they say we're Abraham's children. When you flip down to verse 44, he goes on and tells them whose children they are. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're the devil's children, what he tells them. Yeah, but he also tells them they are the children of Abraham. So even though they are the children of Abraham, they are still, they. it's like in their little box, they don't flow to this, uh, the good box, they flow into the, the bad box. Out of, you know, if you think about, just say Christ's kingdom was the Jewish nation. They would flow into the bad box, not the eternal box. Well, and, you know, and there's the physical and the spiritual, and there's the real and the ideal. Yeah. You know, and and he deals in all those realms, and, and he deals with you know what what is real, mm-hmm. uh, and he deals with what is ideal. You know, but you know if you can't operate in all of those realms mm-hmm. uh, correctly or whatever. Or without self-deception in those all four of those places, you find yourself in a mess, you know. Because, like you said, he did say, "Okay, yeah, you are," but you're not, you know. Yeah. Uh, I guess you'd say both those statements are true. Yes. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, in my mind, it would look like this. If we're gonna categorize in boxes here, you'd have the Jewish nation would be this big box. And then you would have the remnant or faithful. And then you would have these folks he's talking to would come over here in this box. We could call it all kind of things. But, you know, the, the I guess essentially the unfaithful is what that box would be. They would fall under in that box. They wouldn't come down into the faithful box. Actually, that would just be a box in a box over there. All that. Well, I'm not going to argue about the boxes. <laughs> Steven. Uh, one other aspect of this, too. One of the reasons I don't need it. I don't. it was that, uh, you know, I, I think where did that pride come from? Uh, 
the Jews in Isaiah's day, what were they concerned about? Oh man, there's all this stuff happening. Israel's being taken away. Look at all the physical stuff that's going wrong. And they would despair with that eventually. Uh, the, the Jews of Jesus' day, what was their primary concern in terms of Jesus? He's going to take away our power. He's going to take away the physical stuff that we put together and blah, blah, our nation, blah, blah, blah. Well, the same thing can happen today when we look at the situation of the church and things like that. And we're saying, man, this looks pretty terrible. And if we get wrapped up with that, we can despair as well. One of the reasons I wanted to do that lesson was for us to remember that you know we're supposed to be rejoicing in the remnant and appreciating what we have. And yeah. you know that that would have helped the Jews a whole lot to say, okay, instead of being concerned about all this other stuff that's going on, hey, I need to be part of this faithful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, being found in the faithful. Yeah, yeah. Um, so if you flip over to Philippians chapter three, starting in verse one. Finally, my, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. For me to write the same things to you is not tedious, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the mutilation. For we are the circumcision who worship God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. Though I also might have confidence in the flesh, if anyone else thinks he may have confidence in the flesh, I more so. So what, what do y'all think is going on here? What, what's Paul starting to deal with? The Jewish pride. So we're back to uh, Paul dealing with that. All right, so what does he say? What does Paul say? So if you think you can have confidence in the flesh, look at what I could have confidence in if I wanted to. All right, Start, pick up there in verse 5. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, concerning the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, concerning righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Well, what things were gained to me, these I've kind of lost for Christ. All right, we'll pick up in verse 7 in a minute. All right, so you see, you know, Paul wouldn't have said these things unless he knew this is, I mean, this is what these folks are thinking. This is where they put their pride. He knows as good as any of them because he's been there. He's, he's, he's of all these things. He's not, you know, I don't think he's, um, you know, making flattery of these things. I mean, he, he this is who he was. Um and I, I just jotted down, you know, in thinking about how, what are, how would this list right here look for maybe if we're going to talk about step away from the Jews now and look at, at the church and how some of the things that, that we could maybe be wrapped up in and you know this is kind of going trying to follow his list as I could I kind of came up with this one, you know if I'm going to pick up there in verse five baptized at eight years old of you can fill in the blank church that's where I'm from of such and such a family. You know, this is my last name. I'm of that family that's within the church. I'm a fifth-generation Christian, attended Florida College, uh, you know, and on top of that, my mama wears a head cover. You know what I mean? You know, these things that we kind of, you know, within the church kind of, I know y'all have seen some of that. I've heard all this. I've heard this whole list of things that, you know, you, you ask somebody who they are and you just kind of get that. And then it's like you get this Bible Boy, you got, I mean, you just, you're there, man. I mean, <laughs> I never attained to that, that greatness, you know. Uh, and, but I, you know, I think there's other things that we can fall into uh, that could be somewhat like that. Um, I take the Lord's Supper every week. Um, I attend faithfully. Um, I've been at this congregation for 30 years. Or um, guess what? We don't have a piano. 
Uh, we don't have a music minister, executive minister. We don't have fellowship halls. We don't have this. And just take great pride in those kind of physical things. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying those things are wrong. I'm just saying taking pride in those things versus what should we be focusing on? Being faithful. That's what it's all about is being faithful to God. That's what matters at the end of the day. Now, obviously some of these things are, you know, things that we should be doing or most of them that are listed, or I guess all of them that are listed would be things we should be doing. But um, I think you get the, get the point. And I think, you know, I don't think uh, any of us want to be, fall into that category of having that, that pride in any of these physical things. Uh, we need to uh, really be focused solely on being faithful to God. And that should be our only focus. But any questions, comments? Well, the, the difficulty is, is that you know, it's, nobody's a stranger to wanting the praise or recognition of men. Yeah. Uh, the thing, and I guess in that to remember is that if you're wanting praise or recognition from God, it's going to come through your faithfulness. That you know, obviously, you can make claims like that, and I mean, I'm sure that folks that didn't know about Paul's history that were sitting there listening, you know, that were uh, reading that letter or whatever uh, at Philippians or, you know, there's some of those folks, wow, okay, you know, impressed with that. And, uh, you know, like you said, in and of itself, there's nothing wrong with that. You know? No. Uh, but his whole point is that that right there don't get it with God. That's not yeah. that's not going to get you where you want to go with God. Uh, you know, uh, just that faithfulness, like I guess, is the focus of the lesson. Yeah. Just, if I may, when I go to Texas, often I had an uncle that lived out there, and the aunt does now. Uh, my uncle was a preacher, and when my aunt introduces me to somebody now that I've never met before, this this is Oliver's uncle. This is Oliver's nephew. And it's like they look at me in a whole different light than they just introduced me to somebody and they and I'm not mm. related to Oliver Murray. It, because he's so well known out there. Mm. But uh and it's like, you know, I'm not him. If his faith is not mine, yeah. I should have his faith. I hope I do. But it's not just because we're related by blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jews. Yep. And you know, Paul really outlines, if you pick up in verse 7, you know, the attitude that we should all have is what exactly what Mr. Gary is saying. But what things were gained to me, these I've counted lost for Christ. Yet in these I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having my own righteousness, which would be those physical things, um, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know Him in the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His suffering, being conformed to His death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. So, you know, I think Paul finishes out there. I mean, that that should be all of us right there. Stephen, you had your hand raised, did you? I, I just want to make a quick point that uh, I, I think another trap we get into is just the general trap of, like, it's about being conservative. Oh, yeah. You need to be the most conservative people in the room when, I mean, there's actually plenty of passages where God tells us to be liberal with certain things, hmm. you know. And it's, it's just a situation where 
we get trapped in that mindset of you know this this paradigm thing yeah. when it's really just about him. Mm-hmm. That's that's all it is. That's correct. I mean, that, you sum all of it up. Of it's just about God. I say all of it. And if we can just keep that focus, you know, that would point us to really Hebrews. It's about the faith. You know, it's about your your faith. Let's read Romans 10, which kind of goes back to exactly what we finished up reading there in Philippians about uh, the righteousness of God. Uh, Romans 10, verses 1 through 3. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, seek to establish their own righteousness and have not submitted to the righteousness of God. So what are they doing here? They're... You know, they don't have the knowledge, first of all, and what they're trying to establish their own righteousness instead of looking to God uh, for their righteousness. Let's flip over to Hebrews chapter 11. And we've been talking about faith and that being uh, the answer, what separates uh, the faithful from, or I guess the, the righteous from the unrighteous would be faith. Uh, I just want to read there uh, the first six verses. Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it he being dead still speaks. By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death, and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Verse 6 has been a passage I've been thinking a lot about lately. You know, you get to, you know, this is kind of a transition, because from here through the rest of this chapter, you're dealing with, by faith Noah, verse 8, by faith Abraham, uh, by faith in verse 11, Sarah. So you're kind of dealing with uh, these different people all the way to really, what's this, about verse 30, 33, 32, somewhere in there. So you, you kind of you get to this end of, of talking about faith and what it is in verse 1, and then you get this by, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For what? For he who comes to God must believe that he is. So you've got to have uh, that faith. You have to have the faith that God is who he says he is and that he is rewarded those who diligently seek him. So your faith has to have those two elements in it. To know that he is, that He, God is who he is, and that he is going to reward you if you diligently seek him. Having that confidence in it. I think of Paul in that, that, that Paul definitely had this kind of faith. He believed that God was who he said he was. He wouldn't have done what he did. And what else? He, he makes some very strong claims about, you know, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. And what? There's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. He believed that. He believed that he, he diligently sought God. God would reward him for that. And, you know, I think, at least for myself, you know, maybe that's where some doubt might come in of, of you know, um, if I died on the way home today, where am I going to go, you know? And part of that, uh, you know, you could, I can look back at myself and ask, well, have I diligently sought him? Because that's the requirement there. 
is diligently seeking. Uh, that's how the reward comes. And so maybe there's some doubt there because I hadn't diligently sought like I should. But if we are being the people that are diligently seeking God, which is an element of, of faith, then what? We have to believe that. God requires us to believe that, to be, to be found faithful. Any comments or questions on that? Not everybody that gives 110% gets gold in the Olympics, you know, but uh, but hardly anybody who gives 90% does. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and I, I think when you start talking about that um, confidence um, that makes a man like Paul who he was, you know, and make, make the decisions to sacrifice what he sacrificed to give up what he gave up to be 110 percent in so to speak mm -hmm. you know to invest it all to give it all uh that confidence shows up when you do that and until you do that 90 percent still leaves that room like you're talking about if you still have that question you know the the answer is somewhere between 90 and 110 <laughs> you know that uh and and that confidence doesn't really come you know you see folks in your life that possess that uh but you also see that they're 110 percent in mm -hmm. and if you don't if you're not having that you know the this re-examination okay well you know how much of the old man am i holding on to how much of my own will you know, am I still holding on to 10% of my own will? You know, is that really what's keeping me from having that confidence? Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, I, I think maybe that's what this lesson's all about to some degree, but, you know, uh, that confidence won't come until that commitment is there. Mm -hmm. uh, that That's where that, you know, when you're looking at Paul and the things that he said and the confidence that uh, oozes off of that it comes from the commitment yep. anything else for another one? let's look at one more passage in Romans and then we'll be done Romans chapter 9 Romans chapter 9 Romans chapter 9 starting in verse 1 um can I get you to read that, Robert? Romans 9, 1 through... Uh, let's go 1 through 7. I am telling the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies with me in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing grief in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were accursed, separated from Christ for the sake of my brother and my kinsmen, according to the flesh. For Israelites, to whom belongs the adoption as sons and the glory and the covenants as the giving of the law and the temple service and the promises whose are the fathers and from whom is the Christ according to the flesh who is over all God blessed forever amen through seven eight. eight but it is not as though the word of God has failed for they are not all Israel who are descended from Israel nor are they all children because they are Abraham's descendants but through Isaac your descendants will be named. 
that is, not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise are regarded as descendants. Yeah. So here again we have, you know, Paul dealing with, you know, verse 6, for they are not all Israel who are, what, of Israel. So there's a, here again he's making another separation uh, that, you know, it's, it's beyond uh, just being a Jew that makes you uh, faithful to God. And, you know, the lesson today is it's the same for us. Uh, you know, if you go back to Stephen's chart, you can be a part of Christ's kingdom and not be considered faith, the, part of the faithful in the end. Now, of course, it's a requirement to be in, in Christ's kingdom here, but we all want to be found faithful in the end. And um, let's make sure that we all strive to have the faith that we should, uh, help one another where we can, and, and strengthen in one another's faith uh, and and be who we should be there.